1: When it comes to your investments and retirement in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Uh, good morning, everybody. I don't know what today's supposed to be, but uh, boy, this was a great week. What a beautiful week. Probably the nicest week of the year. So let's get positive. They say that time changes things, but you actually have to change them yourself. And that was Andy Warhol. A people that values its privileges above its principles soon loses both. What Does that sound like America right about now? Uh, there are two primary choices in life, to accept condition as they exist or accept the responsibility for changing them. I can't remember who said that, but it was a good one. And then Isaac Newton, the uh, physicist and mathematician. Tac is the knack of making a point without making an enemy. And then finally, Albert Einstein. I don't know if you've read his uh, biography, but it's quite good. I've read both of them, as a matter of fact. Anyone who has never made a mistake has never tried anything new. Ain't it the truth? <laughs> uh, as always, we, we refer you to our webpage. Um, it, it's, somebody asked me this week, Tim, you do the same thing every week. Well, I, get, I have new information, but I follow the same procedure every week because... In life, and we're going to talk about this in the, later on the show, you have to have a discipline in your approach to the markets. So you're looking at you start out with the big, huge economy and you work your way down to ideas. It's that simple. So uh, we're going to continue to do that for as long as I'm running the show. Anyway, the, the point is this, is that you have a, a scenario where uh, we have a discipline, we have a structure, we have a routine, and it works. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. All right, Um, if you go to WHK 1420 AM and you hit the local podcast and go down to Tim Hayes, you you can go right to my webpage, and there's all sorts of good stuff on my webpage. Uh, Market Week is a daily, I mean a weekly newsletter, uh, gives you an idea what's going on. I have two of those. We have one here, and I I send out one. We also have the daily technical analysis and a lot of stuff about cybersecurity. And Believe me, I think that's right. Uh, It's important to know this stuff. You know, data breach, how to protect yourself, all that good stuff. And we also talk about interest rates. And, you know, we said they'd be lower for longer, and uh, we were right. So uh, our October newsletter is now available, and it's earnings season. You know, what investors can take away from corporate results uh, reports this time. And five times in your life when you might need help with your finances. This is where we talk about both sides of the balance sheet, okay? I've been beating that that Dead horse. (laughs) But I'm going to keep talking about it because it's important. A balancing 401k contributions with your health savings account. And what health services aren't covered by Medicare. So some good stuff there. Once again, we have the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. Uh, A lot of people, you know, only about four or five people sent in for this. So I'm usually on the right path. Look, 99% of the time, you don't need credit. And 99% of the time, when you need it, you need it now. All right? Simple as that. Um, you know, I I, I was going to – I don't think I'm going to – I'm just going to talk about this. But we have a Global Income Best Ideas. And uh, what we have is from Lori Calcevina's screens to the what the analyst thinks. Uh, and it talks about U.S., Canada, Europe, and a whole bunch of other countries and – um it's, it's a big report, so I don't think I'm going to send it out. But uh, you may, uh, if you want income ideas, you may want to call me. Calamos. Uh, and, you know, these guys have been knocking a cover off the ball with convertibles for a long, long time. And I keep talking about this. But just remember uh, that the largest passive investor in the world in Vanguard is now running ad campaigns about active management. Passive management is now taking over more than fifty percent of the assets, and that usually le- le- uh, leans towards bad times. Uh, I would suggest that uh, you should be very, very careful. Uh, just you know, look, the VIX has spiked hundred percent since July first, uh, July thirty first. So, um, but con- uh, convertibles have outpaced the S and P five hundred by two point six percent annually, with three quarters of the beta, and beta just means the rate of change. Okay. Uh, and you know it, it, that means if the market moves one percentage point, they move three quarters. All right, so it's it's really uh, a good way to outperform the market, and I have all sorts of ways to do that. So give me a call if you like. All right, raw sugar prices are in course for their biggest one month decline this year, having fallen six point four percent to eleven cents a pound in, in New York futures. Uh, the sweet ingredient has. Uh, rarely been cheaper since prices surged in 2009-2010. Part of the big decline stems from India, which overtook Brazil as the largest grower. So that's kind of, you know, they're, they're just pumping the stuff out. Nationwide, the number of visitors from China in 2008 for the first time since 2003 was down 5.7%. I wonder why. <laughs> About $15 trillion of government bonds worldwide or 25% of the market now trade at negative yields. Be interesting to see what's, you know, happening there. You know, uh I would, first of all, I don't know if you guys saw this, but everybody's talking about Bitcoin. And I said it's very difficult to talk to people about this in their retirement accounts since I think a gentleman called in one time and said, what do you think of Bitcoin? And I said it was parabolic and, you know, it, it hasn't topped yet, but you got to be careful. Well, Bit- Bitcoin dropped 17% on Tuesday. And um It's the largest drop since January of 2018 when it dropped all the way, you know, and then it continued to drop. So uh, I'm not sure what that means, but uh, I had some questions about it last week from a couple of people who called in. Um, You know, I think we've been kind of mending the market's mood. I mean, God, can anything else go wrong? I mean, Mr. Trump's getting impeached. Uh, You know, there's the China tariffs. China's not playing ball. Uh, You know, the Federal Reserve's a little bit late to the party. You know, so I think what we're doing is we're mending the market's mood. And, you know, with all this bad news, yeah, we had a bad time last fall, and that was when interest rates, they said, were going up 5%. But we've had a lot of bad news, and the market's not getting killed. Right. What I thought was also interesting was uh, it was, seemed to be a positive turn in the Canadian energy sentiment. Um, you know, even with Boris Johnson losing his day in car- court, you know, what's going on here? And I I was looking at the S&P 500, and, and our friends at Dorsey Wright, you know, do a lot of uh, point-and-figure charts. And we broke a double bottom the other day, and it's kind of a perfect for- formation for a potential shakeout pattern, which usually reverses back up and, and heads up, okay? So some people uh, talked to me about uh, – uh, I had some people and I talked about discipline and and look, take a long term perspective of the Dow Jones industrials since 1896 reveals the reality that there are extended periods of time in which the U.S. equity markets will generally trend upwards and also long periods of time where they'll stagnate or generally lower. Uh, there have been nine such uh, alternating cycles completed since 1896, each averaging between 14, and 16 years on its own. That's not earth shattering. Uh, However, the applications concept is to uh, to investing is integral to the importance of the tactical strategies, all right? So using a rule-based discipline approach allows us to navigate uh, systems. So, you know, we use dynamic asset level investing, our friends at Dorsey Wright uh, talk about, and uh, domestic equities are still number one asset class, uh, pretty far behind in international equities. Fixed income is right behind international equities. Commodities made a little bit of a move up, but cash is up to 13% now, so... Um, you know, I think you have to take a look. And what, what I'd be doing is I'd be looking at, you know, stock models, ETF models, uh, dynamic asset level investing strategies, uh, some relative strength strategies. But, you know, you have to look through them all uh, to get the best return and, and uh, take it from there. So um, I looked at, from a portfolio perspective, which 10 stocks on September 20th uh, had the best overall technical fundamentals and it's funny because uh, we recommend six of them uh so you know we've been looking but look put a put pen to paper uh and and design a framework for yourself i have one if you don't you should but do you plan to seg- you know to segment your portfolio into buckets and i think those buckets have to have you know they got to quantify the r- risk tolerance or the time horizon and also manage uh, moderate risk portfolios. Uh, you know, I would segment them into three buckets too: conservative, moderate, and aggressive. And uh, you know, so look, um, I think you got a plan to reevaluate all your holdings on a seasonally quarterly basis. Uh, sometimes lately, uh, stocks have been gapping down, and and so have the ETFs. By the way, so it, the problem is sometimes you have to let them bounce before you can sell them. All right, now. The other thing I want to talk about is the, we've had some records broken in the energy sector. Uh, you know, there are certain sports records that, according to fans and experts, will never be broken. Some of them, you know, big ones like uh, Carl Ripken and Will Chamberlain's 100 points. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know uh, Cal Ripken. I said Carl. Cal Ripken went 263 to 2,632 consecutive games. And Will Chamberlain scored 100 points. But uh, ExxonMobil dropped out of the S&P top 10 stocks by market cap. Also, the, the S&P 500 is now at less than 5% of the weighting in the S&P 500. Uh, now, the positive trends for energy uh, were, were down negative, and then they uh, they reversed back up, and now they're back in a negative thing. So it'll be interesting to see if they bottom here. Usually, there's a big move if they do. You know, back in uh, 2017, we had a big move up. So we'll see what happens. But They're dead last. In dynamic asset level. Remember, equal weights more important than capitalization weight. Large cap growth, mid-cap growth, and small cap growth are one, two, three. Technology, utilities, and industrials are one, two, three. So it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, just to mention this, we do have a new uh, set of ideas out there on our global energy best ideas. Uh, Some of them up a lot since we put them on there, like Marathon Oil and a couple others. Uh, but these could be a really good scenario if, indeed, uh, we do take off uh, and and start heading up on the energy uh, scenario, uh, you know. Because look, uh, the last time I saw this was in 2000, and oil was at ten dollars and ninety five cents a barrel. And you know, it was funny because I had a um, a gentleman uh, <laughs> buy it. He was a client of mine, and uh, he he we talked about it. So he he actually went to a, a futures broker and bought a t- like 10,000 contracts on the futures market out five years. And uh, oil went to like 90 bucks. And uh, I haven't heard from Paul. <laughs> I think he's retired somewhere in the middle of uh, wherever, All right. Now, look, I think you, you got to imagine 2025. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was that portfolio where we did that. And I think you got to start looking at industrials a year ahead. And I want you to think about something. Industrials have low interest rates. Low commodity prices, and if if we're gearing up, we could be gearing up for the next industrial revolution. I mean, literally, uh, in multi-industries like fully automated plants are years away, but rapidly approaching, and they're also known as lights out plants since they won't require workers, and thus can further lower their costs. I mean, just think of some of these companies that uh, you know, some of the big industrial companies, and I can think of a whole bun a bunch of them, and the key driver is automotive, you know, automotive sector. Uh, Autonomous driving, electrification, having g- garnered a lot of t- attention. But uh, our analyst, Joe Spack, says that recently expectations on the timing of widespread deployment have been pushed back. He forecasts that in 2023, 93% of the automobiles on the road will still have a combustion engine. All right. So uh, there we go. Uh, you know, I-, I did think it was kind of interesting, the crude oil. Bounced up and then bounced right back. And it's right, almost where it started from uh, when the Saudi thing occurred. And gold bounced up and is right back to where it, uh, it came back. And uh, at least there was a lot of uh, talk about the repo uh, market. That's uh, where you're, you're re- rebuying or it's a repurchase agreement. It's a form of short-term borrowing that uh, is secured by collateral, usually government securities. And repo market, uh, firms borrow cash from each other and collateralize the loan by putting up securities. When, when the agreement uh, expires, the borrower repurchases the collateral with cash and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we had some uh, problems in that this week, uh, and it was a bit of a disruption in the balance, and repo rates uh, soared, uh, and the, the Fed took care of things. One thing I will say is Lori Calcevina, our, technici- uh, our head strategist, I mean, has pu- published her small-cap deep dive and noted that the 2019 performance is mirroring recessionary fears – The team continues to hold a neutral stance on small caps versus large caps. So just so you know, uh, while two drivers favor small caps and just one large caps. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Um, Look, historically, small cap equities have attracted uh, fewer Wall Street research analysts than large cap stocks. And the scarcity of small cap coverage creates opportunities for investors and portfolio managers who are committing to do some in-depth research. Uh, For a number of reasons, analyst coverage of the public companies has generally narrowed over the years as a result of a greater number of independent research firms uh, covering a shrinking pool of public companies. This narrowing has led to an increased coverage of larger cap stocks at the expense of small cap stocks. And a small cap stock today, the average large cap... Um, well, here, let me step back. In 2003, uh, there were eight more analysts on average covering in a large stock than a small cap stock. And today, the average is 22 analysts. Uh, the result of the small cap companies receiving less coverage by Wall Street is that portfolio managers who conduct the in-depth proprietary research may have a better chance of identifying some big opportunities. Uh, there does not appear to be a uh, appear to be an end to the trend of Wall Street allocating more, you know, resources to the large caps compared to small caps. Uh, therefore, the, the small cap oper- uh, managers appears pretty bright today. So, um, you know, the question is, we go back to this value versus growth thing. And, and um, look, uh, uh, growth is pulling back, but it's not broken down yet versus value. So uh, if it does, you know, what is value? Is it small caps? Is it financials? Is it industrials? Is it oil? And and that's the hard part. And unfortunately, uh, during this period, this last year, uh, leadership has not come out. Okay, we, we we you know the Fang stocks. Nobody's talked about them for a long time. Um, you know, we had uh, well utilities and 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 uh, our REITs, but we talked about them like two years ago. They were showing signs, uh, and then Staples, which we talked about about six seven months ago. Uh, but these are things that are happening when the market is sideways to down. Okay. Uh, what, who, who's going to lead if we break out? That's the big question. So, um, you know, I, I looked at a couple charts this week and, and uh, first of all, I looked at the NASDAQ compart, uh, um, composite and the bullish percent for it uh, has been in a downtrend for a pretty long time. So it needs to break uh, the downtrend line. And that would be very, very important. And the McQuellan oscillator has turned up and uh you, you know it's, it's it's broken above that downtrend line already so also if you look at the ratio between s&p spider technology and consumer staples uh you know the the technology group has been in a downtrend for about uh, 3 4 months now so it'll be interesting to see if that breaks out i guess uh and then uh, you know the final thing, I think, is is you got to compare the Dow Jones World Index to a global ratio between junk and, and government-issued paper. And, uh, look, the, that broke out uh, of a downtrend. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see those, you know, how they affect uh, things. But that's what I've been, you know, those are the key charts, I think, right now. Um, I'm also seeing uh, some stocks that uh, – I think could have, like, mean revision, you know, back to, uh, you know, to trend lines. And, and uh, you know, the trend lines are either good or bad, but I think that, you know, they, things could get interesting. Uh, and I've got a whole bit, bunch of names there. And it'll be interesting to see if they hold or not. Uh, but, you know, we had a rough week, then we had a good week. Um, we had, you know, light crude breakout and then pull all the way back, uh, you know, in, in a week. Uh, and, and the S&P 500 does not look like, uh, you know, it's pulled back one more time. Um, the the question is, uh, will we have a reversal back up or, you know, are, is this, you know, we, we talked about, uh, you know, the Dorsey Wright system where you break a double bottom and then you reverse back up. That's called a shakeout pattern. Uh, but if you look at it, uh, whether you look at a point and figure chart or you look at a regular chart, uh, you know, that that's. That's the case. Now, one thing I have seen uh, is, is that a lot of people are adding cash to their portfolio. And I think what they're waiting for is some kind of big event. And, you know, if the um, <laughs> if, if, if you get a, uh, an impeachment process started and that isn't a big event, I mean, we had a couple hundred points down, but nothing really drastic. And, and I am starting to see a lot of small cap names that have been down and out uh, break out and pull back. Remember, uh, the Security Exchange Commission back in 2007, I said this on the radio, you know, what's going to happen when they get rid of the uptick rule? Well, the, the problem is, is that shorts can short stocks into the ground. So the smaller they are, the harder they are to deal with. And, it, you know, uh, it's something, look, in these last couple of years, uh, a couple things have happened. Number one, uh, we've had the uptick rule go away. And number two, we had quantitative tighting, And nobody's been through any of this. Nobody alive anyway. OK, because there's never been quantitative tightening and there the uptick rule has been around since 1922, 20, oh, actually, 32. I'm sorry. Uh, so I don't know too many people that were born in 32 that are still alive. I mean, there might be a few out there. God bless you. And I hope you stay alive for another 20 years. Uh, but it's not a lot of us. So uh, it's been difficult. And But we are finding that as stocks break out, they short them right back to the breakout line. And if they don't hold, uh, you get a problem. And, I, and I've seen. I've seen a lot of it, and I did notice that a lot of the housing stocks uh, broke out just recently. And, uh, you know, we talked about them about eh, a year ago, and uh, they did nothing for a while and then reversed back up. And uh, there you go. I, I, I am seeing, though, a, a lot of housing stocks break out. So um, uh, let's see what else do we want to talk about. I the p five hundred and the OEX uh have logged some long long or intermediate term buy signals, but the NDX momentum has moved south. So the OEX uh did a what they call a log top with this week's uh it, it's an O uh O O H L C bar, which is most people don't know. Uh, but it's a it's a positive development and uh they had a PMO buy signal which is uh also something that it takes time to explain so i i uh, think you have to look it up yourself so there you go i mean some interesting stuff from um, my work and then um you know we we listen to uh, bob schleimer and bob dickey every week and I, I thought it was some interesting stuff from those two so you know they basically are looking for the short-term pullback but they think it's a great buying opportunity once you get to the bottom and the question is you know where's the bottom yet and the, they don't know that but um uh, they thought there was a move up into the Oe uh, the FMOC meeting and and you know, uh, you know, you still have this four year cycle they're talking about. Okay, so that should start somewhere in, you know, late October, early November. So, it's that four year cycle perspective. It remains positive for stocks, and I'll just keep saying that rates uh, back to they retraced all the way back to the levels, and they're vulnerable probably to further upside. I would suggest. They're very oversold. I wouldn't be buying bonds right now. You buy bonds when yields are up. Uh, industrials, the long-term charts to continue, you know, continue to track an emerging uh, new cycle for industrials. I think so, but this four-year uh, transition is is coming, and it and it could be uh, a big thing. So, um, I am seeing, you know, some, you know, I, I looked at the four-year cycle, and I looked back at 2016, 15, and 14, and we almost have the exact same chart uh, in 2018 and 19. Um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, if this continues, you know, uh, the Russell th- this week broke out on a relative performance versus the S P p 500. And that's the first time that's happened, uh, <laughs> in five years. So that's a big positive. So the Russell, uh, you know, if it reversed back up, it, it could break out. And like I said, growth versus value growth is still winning, but it's getting close to its trend line. So, uh, uh it's, it's. Premature to conclude that uh the longer term uptrend of growth is broken. So uh but it is drastically over overbought compared to to uh, value. Value's way, way down. Uh and we looked at the Citigroup surprise, uh economic surprise. And remember we said it was down and out, it was where it was, you know, just a couple times in history. And uh, you know, uh it bounced. What a surprise. It's this stuff works, by the way, folks. And then uh, the bullish sentiment uh, has been getting a little bit more bullish, and then it died this week. So it just went right back down. So people aren't getting bullish now. I will say this: if you look at the ten-year note yields, you know, it came right back down. Uh, you know, we, we've had three dips in this area: one in 2013, one in 2016, and now here. Uh, but if you look at monthly, the mo- monthly momentum is very, very oversold, and I would look out below. I'd also say there's some very early uh, signs of stalling under their first resistance on the TLT, which is the the uh, 10-year bond index. So uh, the crude futures came right, broke out, came right back to the breakout. That's uh, kind of unusual. And also uh, the GDX and the XAU, the GDX broke out, came right back down to the broke, breakout. And now if you look at uh, the gold futures, uh, gold is bottoming and, and is rallying from support around 1,500. Um, you know, I, I would just remain patient and buy it on pullbacks and, and let it come back to you. You know, uh, if if it does, you know, chip away at it a little bit. Remember most, uh, big time, you know, portfolio managers always have 5% gold in the portfolio. Okay. Uh, and people say ask, ask me why after a bear market in gold. Well, uh, Gold, when gold takes off, it takes off. (laughs) It doesn't wait for anybody, uh, I've always found. Um, So I was looking at sector rotation and, you know, on our heat charts, as we call them, uh, I saw that the financials are improving. By the way, uh, our friends at Dorsey Wright today uh, talked about that in their newsletter. Discretionary stocks, industrials, and energy. I saw some weakening in real estate, uh, communication services, and technology. And by the way, that would kind of, you know, if we're talking value versus growth, you know, value was improving, growth was decelerating. Um, I did notice, look, I, I looked at a lot of industrial stocks and uh, I looked at a lot of charts. And uh, I mean, first of all, the relative performance versus the S&P has been holding up well. And most of them are making these like uh, we'll call them uh uh, what's the best flag formations, I guess is uh, there's two or three types of things. I'll use flag, flag formations that have been going on since the beginning of 2018. And uh, you know, that the whole market's been doing that by the way, although the market had a dip below the flag. So I just think the industrials are, are looking great. The financials looking great. Um, you know, the question is when to buy them. I think there'll be one, one more dip and then uh, you want to pay attention Uh, To that, but in the meantime, uh, you know, for now, we're leaning that way, and then the small caps are as cheap as I've ever seen them. So, all right, we're gonna take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. We're back and this is a Smart Investor Show. And, you know, um, if you've just heard part of the show and want to hear the rest of it or want to hear it repeated, uh, at Tuesday at 12, high noon, <laughs> uh, it's replayed on a podcast on uh, WHK's website. So if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. It's got a, a bunch of stuff there. Uh, you can go direct to my webpage too. So, I mean, if you like our best ideas, Uh, our newsletter, our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, any of the stuff I talk about. uh, Look, the dividend growth portfolio and the S&P 500 have a higher yield than the 30-year treasury. If that ain't a buy signal, I don't know what is. Prime income list does too. Uh, Our best ideas, I think you got to be careful. I think you got to be careful with all these lists because, like I said, I think there's a change in leadership coming on. And uh, changes in leadership can usually be sloppy periods of time uh so you want to be a lot more careful now in tim's humble opinion uh not of the overall market okay but of what you own there we go by the way uh when i said this in 2000 nobody believed me then <laughs> i i did it on this radio show and i uh i also did it in front of like 170 people at a uh a certain hotel And I said to get out of technology and biotechnology and healthcare, And uh, they looked at me like I'd, I'd gone mad. Uh, Six months later, they weren't, they were calling me. Okay. So the point is, I think there's a change in leadership coming up, I I don't know if it's going to be as drastic as the last time. I don't think it's going to be. But anyway, something to think about. So now we talk about the bullish percent and the bullish percent is just simply our risk monitor. Uh, it tells us, it gives us a degree of how much risk we have in the market. So this thing goes from zero to a hundred. Uh, when you get over 70, that's a red zone. And that's when you should be careful. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when you want to be aggressive. Uh, now the problem with being aggressive last fall was that you knew this value growth thing was going to uh, change. And uh, it was kind of difficult. I didn't buy that many stocks back then. And but I did buy some and and I got beat up on a little on on some of the value stocks. I think they're going to come back very nicely. But uh, when you see, when you know what's happening and you see the diff, difference in valuation, uh, usually it's hard to go whole, whole hog and in, into something like that, but it happens anyway. When you're a column of X's as we are now, you can buy stocks. You've got the offensive team on the field. When you go into column of O's, you put the defensive team on the field. Now, Right now, domestic equities are the number one asset class. So, you know, even if you went to a column of O's, you'd still probably have less cash now than you would uh, under circumstances like, you know, 2007 and eight. Domestic equities were the worst asset class. That's when, you know, look out below. OK, uh, but we, we didn't really have much changes uh, this week. I mean, everything was basically flat. The, the, uh, the New York Stock Exchange bullish, uh, bullish percent was flat. Uh, over-the-counter was flat. Uh, World Index has picked up point oh, about a percentage point. Uh, so they're at 44, over-the-counters at 40, and, and the New York Stock Exchange bullish percentage at 50. So we, we're in pretty good buying shape here. And the question is, uh, you know, what's going to happen? Now, the dynamic asset-level investment cash percentile rank for domestic ec- equities moved higher, uh, and so it's at 33% now. So what we're saying is we're very positive, but maybe 33% cash would be a good good uh, scenario uh, I do have quite a bit of cash in accounts so I just and the problem is I can't fi- figure out what the leadership is and I don't think anybody else has figured it out either or I'd know about it by now. Um but if you look at this uh you know if if that cash rank were to get over 45 then then you'd start to worry a little bit but look uh everybody worries about October, you know, Tuesday October Tuesday in uh, 1929 and uh, the Monday uh in in 1987. Still, the S and P 500 has had more double-digit gains in October than it has double-digit losses since 1950. In fact, October is often referred to as the bear milk killer month, as it's the and you know at its end it ushers in the beginning of a seasonally strong six months in the market. So, with will this October be the same or, or, or do we look for a bear? I don't know. You can find out the hard way, but. The domestic equities are still number one. So as long as that's the case, I don't think we're in trouble. I looked at the S&P 500, and like I said, there's a potential for a shakeout, I think. Uh, if you look at the the 20-point the chart, uh, it looks great. Uh, the Dow looks okay. Um, the NASDAQ looks a little shaky, okay? That's the one I'm worried about. Small caps reversed up hard. The mid-caps uh, look are looking pretty good. Uh, and then the... Um, the XLG, which is the largest stocks, uh, look OK, but just flat, basically. So it was a negative week last week um, across the board for most of the major ETFs. And I was going to do a thing on how they make ETFs, but it, uh, it gets a little complicated. You probably need a chalkboard or something like that. But look, um, we I looked at some of the big ETFs, and the QQQs uh, have the the best long-term strength, but they've been suffering over the last, uh, I want to say, two three weeks. And uh, I, I, the QQQs have a couple things going for them. They they still have a lot of financials in them, uh, but mostly technology, and it's something that you have to watch fairly closely because when these, when these uh, reverse, they reverse quickly. Uh, also, the sector bullish percent, and I, we look at you know we have a bullish percent for the whole market, and then we look at individual sectors. We're up to ten positive sectors or 10 favored sectors and uh, so i'm just going to talk about them and and, and where they are waste management utilities are at 65% uh, okay place to buy not great semiconductors and building are at 60 pretty good place real estates at 55 precious metals and wall street are 50 so that's a really good place to buy housing and restaurants are at 45 another good place to buy and probably the best one is protection services that's at 30 so those are now there's a couple of names that are in positive what we call bull confirmed status but they haven't turned up yet that's drugs household goods uh, non-ferrous metals uh, oil uh, retailing and textiles so uh, those are name you know we'd like to see those reverse back up then we'd have 16 or 17 uh, uh, different sectors and we could start seeing where a lot of the money's going as far as um, changes in sectors housing and building went to favored se- uh, sector this this month insurance went from unfavored to Average, uh, although a lot of those charts look good in the insurance area, uh, and forest and paper products went to uh, to unfavored. So, I was looking at the uh, international equity scenario, and um, you know, Dorsey Wright pointed this out. I thought it was pretty good. If you look at Japan versus Pacific Basin Basin without Japan, uh, Japan has made a drastic move up, and I think part of it was you know they they had a trade deal with the United States. So that was a big positive. Uh, so they they turned around very, very quickly. They've been going sideways since about January and uh, moved out of their base. So they'll probably pull back one more time, but that's kind of interesting. And I looked at, um, there's a couple uh, Japanese funds. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, minimum volatility fund. Uh, the JPMF that really has, has made that same move. So the, those are some of the ones you want to pay attention to. And then there, I looked at almost every Japanese ETF there was on a point-and-figure chart. A couple look really, really good uh, with, you know, breaking a double top and that type of thing, keeping uh, keeping going there. Um, the U.S. Treasury Five-Year Yield Index, the FVX, uh, also reversed up, uh, I think it was Wednesday's trading, and uh, so it, it was at 1.6% at one, just a week ago, and now it's reversed back up. And so it's at 1.725%. So it's actually higher than the 10-year at this point. Um, the story was the same farther out in the yield curve. It was 30-year index, the TYX reversed into a column of X. That means yields are going up, folks, not the bonds. The yields are. When the yields go up, bonds go down. So you want to be a little bit more careful. So somebody asked me, you know, where would you put money in the bond market, Tim? And, uh, you know, I would split it. And uh, these are my, you know, particular ones. But I'd look at the iShares. These are all iShares. I'm just making it easy on you. Core 10-year U.S. uh, bond uh, ETF. The uh, IBOX investment-grade corporate bonds. The iShares national municipal bond. The Barclays 20-year treasury and the 10- to 20-year treasury bonds. Uh, Duration seems to be your friend right now. I don't know how much longer that's going to last, so be careful. Also in commodities, uh, you know, crude continues to have some positive stuff, although, you know, it broke out and pulled back on light volume, so it'll be interesting to see if it holds up. And I noticed some of the commodity indexes have uh, had three or four weeks of positive uh, momentum, and gold uh, has had three weeks of negative. Uh, Copper reversed up for the first time in a long time, and corn made a big move. Now, I think uh, you know sugar really got beat up, and uh, it it had a little bounce on Friday. It moved to eleven forty, uh, so it moves it back into a column of X's, but it's still way below its uptrend line. And I think the the you know the one that really took me back was cocaia. Uh, Cocoa was down at around twenty one eighty and popped to twenty five hundred and broke its downtrend line. Uh, basically in two weeks. So uh, that's big. It, I don't know what's happening there, but uh, it's kind of interesting. As far as uh, relative strength buy signals, remember, we we look into these things and we say, you know, when we have relative strength buy signal, we, we want to check to see what the, what's going on with the fundamentals. Okay, so what we're trying to do is take the technicals and the fundamentals and merge them together. And usually you're going to buy things at a better uh, scenario. But Corsup Therapeutics, China Biological Products, Myocardia, uh, B. Riley Financial and DocuSign. Uh, most of those have pretty good uh, charts, by the way. Uh, s- stocks that are moved to a RS, uh, relative strength sell signal. Relative strength is very important in technical analysis, okay? You know, you want to be in the best, the top stock in the top group. So these are ones you want to be careful with. Molina Healthcare, Netflix, Overstock, Xylenix, uh, U.S. Technologies, and Gurus. right? Um, Now, uh, a couple things that I uh, wanted to mention. I looked at, um, we had a second consecutive buy signal for the continuing crude oil contract. So, you know, we we broke a double top and then we broke another double top. And now we've pulled back. So it'll be interesting to see. We've broken the downtrend line and it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if it holds. Uh, Now, gold, it was very close to breaking... um, a double bottom, which would be a shakeout pattern, uh, but it's right at its uptrend line, and I think that you know it could get really interesting uh, gold if it would reverse back up here, and it might be a very very po- powerful uh, move. Now the other thing is I'm gonna, you know, I talked talked to you about Michael Burry, and he was the guy that uh, put together the the Big Short. That was the who the Big Short was about, and he's saying passive investing could be a problem. Passive investing is now taken over. More than, than active investing. Something tells me there's lemmings being led to the slaughter. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show.
0: Money, money, money. Must be in the rich man's fund.
2: Okay, we're back. You've just tuned in. This is the Smart Investor Show. And uh, now we're going to talk about insiders. And, you know, okay, we talked about the big economy. We moved it down, 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 down uh you know, and we're going to talk about individual ideas. Remember insiders are very early always they uh they've been wrong this last year, and I think that's because they're seeing value in value stocks, and uh, people keep buying growth stocks all right so uh second thing is we look for big purchases, not little purchases unless we see a lot of little purchases okay and also, uh, we like to see CFOs and CEOs buy. And here's a guy who used to be, you know, used to create fear <laughs> in CEOs uh, all around the world. And that's Ron Perlman. And he, you know, we, uh, two weeks ago, he bought some scientific games. It popped from almost, I think it was 16 to 23. And he bought another 2.2 million on Monday. And then on Wednesday, bought another 1.4 million. So, uh, Ron is a pretty smart guy as far as I'm concerned. Been around the block, he's a billionaire, knows what he's talking about. And then uh, Athene uh, Holdings, which is asset management, the chairman, CEO, and CIO uh, bought a million dollars worth. And then about three days later, uh, a director bought $250,000 worth. So, you like seeing that. And by the way, that's after the stock had popped from 36 up to 42. Um, so that's kind of really interesting. And then PBF Energy. Uh, there's a gentleman named Van Damme. He's a director. He bought $7.1, $7.2 million. And then Jorge Lehman uh, bought $99 million. That's kind of really interesting. Really, uh, really interesting. I'm sorry. I got that mixed up. Jorge Lehman uh, was Kraft Heinz. He bought $99.9 million worth last week. And this week, uh, a, a director by the name of so bought $8 million, uh, and then two days later, he bought another $2.7 million from 10. So that's $100 million in Kraft Heinz in the last uh, week. That's a lot. And then Acadia Pharmaceuticals uh, had some good news. They were trading at 25, Went opened at 40, and the Baker Brothers bought $62.5 million. As far as I'm concerned, that's pretty smart money in the biotech industry uh, very very smart money in, in the biotech industry, and then um, I noticed Istar, which is a REIT, real estate investment trust, and Ishtar bought one point seven million shares or million dollars worth, and then it was one two three four five six other insiders who bought about two hundred thousand dollars worth. So uh, you know you like see when there's multiple buyers, and then to have another big buyer uh, on top of it, that's uh, very very positive. However. I will say this uh, insider buying is kind of dried up Uh, where I had probably the most insider buying I've seen in a long, long time. It's just gone away. And I don't know if that's because of, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to be worried out about there uh, about out there. You know, there's an impeachment process going on. There's, uh, um, there's the tariffs, there's uh, negative interest rates on 25% of the bonds, meaning that things aren't good. Um, you know, there's a lot of things to be worried about. Uh, you know, there just is. And so I don't know, you know, if, they've, if the insiders dried up because they're starting to feel the effects too. Usually that's not the case. I did notice that several of the buys this week were at new highs. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. So, All right. I'm looking at things and and the market continues to hold up well. And in spite of, you know, most of the concerns of the world and in a way that can make one think the stock market could be looking out six to 12 months into the future rather than focusing on what's happening today, which it usually does. And and really. That is what we think causes people to people to invest. It's not the present, but the future that the people are investing for. And there may be you know many reasons given for the market moving on a daily basis but it could be a little of today's news may may matter in the long run okay so it's kind of the same old market same old trading range that we've had since 2018 uh much has happened in the world over the past 2 years but the market has remained in a range and, except for that brief you know look out below in December of nine, uh, 2018 But the market has remained in this range and is about the same level that we saw in early 2018. So, you know, it stalls near peaks. It gets I mean, people start buying at the bottoms. Uh, We've had some, you know, a failure of the the indexes to break out the new highs. And the transports and small caps are easing back. And they're underperforming the large caps. And uh, the momentum of the recent rally is turning. And we expect the overall trading range to continue for probably another month anyway. So... There we go. Now, I still look at the the relative performance of S and P value index to the growth index, and it's still it's it's way down there. Uh, it's it's favored growth stocks for the big for for most of that time. And the question is, you know, when you get to an extreme level, uh, will it change? Uh, you know, value stocks often attract more investment uh, interest because of uh, perceived safety, and uh, you know, and, and there and less volatility, I should say. Um, so the question is, you know, in the current news cycle of concern on many fronts, are are we going to see, uh, you know, clear evidence where there's a shift to these things, you know, a shift into value stocks is an ongoing trend or value stocks uh, have moved higher during the bull market. But except for short periods, growth stocks have continued to lead all the sectors, you know, drastically. So, uh, you know, the question is, will there be a flip? And, and starting to see some early signs of it, but nothing concrete. I just tell you that I can show you a couple of charts. And if you'd like to have coffee, you know, just go to WHK 1420 AM, uh, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes. There's a bunch of contact me's emails me there. And uh, I would certainly suggest that you probably want to uh, see these charts because it's an eye opener, uh, rates, you know, rates bounced, uh, you know, we, we were basically, in 2016, we hit the all-time low. 2013 was the second all-time low, and we've just hit the third uh, all-time low, uh, all within a decade, and we haven't seen these interest rates this low in our history. So now's not the time to be buying bonds. Remember, back in early part of 2019, you know, we had the 10-year the at uh, 3.2%, and I said buy yield when it's up. Um, you know, I was buying some uh, re- real estate investment trusts and uh, actually bought a few bonds here and there. But, you know, you, you don't want to buy after a big uh, decrease in the yields at this point because when yields go up, bonds go down, and that's when your principal gets hurt. So, And, by the way, happens with CDs too, so keep your CDs short if you're going to buy them. Uh, look, the market's near the, the high end of the overall uh, range where it could stall again. We don't know. But, I, you know, there could be one more pullback just to make sure we're all paying attention. But I could tell you, after talking to a, uh, several of my clients this week, uh, thank God they weren't in my office and thank God my windows don't open, you know, that type of thing. Uh, people are getting really, really pessimistic. And uh, I think the Republicans are kind of upset with the Democrats. Uh, although the Democrats have been upset with the Republicans ever since Trump won. I just can't believe that he beat he beat out uh, Hillary. So. Um, so, you know, we had a short-term rise in the market and, and are we pulling back? I don't know. We, we could have the shakeout, uh, move that I was talking about. You know, it looks likely that it could do, that could happen, uh, especially with every, you know, we, we got bullish for a while and then we reversed right back down. Uh, it's been very hard with the bullish percent because it's been bouncing up and down a lot. You know, we've been going from X to O's and, uh, usually it's been, uh, pretty easy to, to guide. I have been using this for, uh, uh, a lot of uh, you know people that I, I move in and out of the market uh, to a certain degree. Um, but it's been very difficult because it takes a lot to turn it. When it turns, sometimes that might be all that's get, given, especially in a trading range like we've had since 2018. So, uh, you know, what, what would I be thinking about right now? Well, like I said, I, I think bonds are a tough buy right here. I, I think uh, even if you're buying CDs, you might want to wait. Let these things, uh, you know, pick up a little bit. It does look like we've made a triple bottom to a certain degree. Um, you know, triple bottoms and double bottoms usually are, you know, good times to buy or, or you know, buy the yield index, not buy the bond. OK, so you're, you're actually buying the yield thinking it's going to go up. Um, but I don't think any, we're going anywhere until the, the 10-year Treasury breaks the 2% uh, number again that that's uh, really important. Now, gold's getting interesting. Okay. So, uh, people stopped talking about gold. That was a week ago, (laughs) you know, people are just stepping out and and they're not talking about gold anymore and gold's right at that uptrend line, you know, so it's, it's kind of an interesting chart. Uh, so I'd be, you know, like I said, on weakness, I'd be, you know, buying things. So short term, we're neutral, intermediate term, we're neutral, uh, term I'm very bullish. Um, you know, if, if Bob Dickey's right, and he, me, mentioned a number that would uh, flabbergast most people, but um, and he mentions at our seminar, by the way, so he said it in front of a lot of people. It's it's a huge, huge number. Um, the only thing I'm worried about right now is if the Commodity Research Bureau index hits a new low, uh, which it did back in 2016 at 160. You know, it's at 172 right now. It's 10 points away. So anything. I think uh, cocaine helped it and uh, oil helped it a little bit. So we'll see what happens. In the meantime, what would I do? Uh, like I said, I think it, it's not a time, you know, I haven't been talking about my bond list at all. It's been nine months since i talked about my bond list. Uh, our top ideas, and I'm, I'm starting to see some things in the international arena that are starting to look good. So we have our top global ideas. We have top domestic ideas. Our ADRs, which are American depository receipts, look pretty good. Our top oil ideas. Nobody likes oil right now. So now you gotta have some intestinal fortitude. Uh, you know, and, and I think you want to uh you know be careful what you buy. I bought some, I got beat up a little bit so far, but I've I've also had a couple of good bounces. Um also uh we have our top global income ideas. I don't think I'm going to be sending that out. I think that's just uh, for clients at this point. Uh, But uh, if you need uh, any ideas, just give me a call. Uh, Our dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list, I will say right now, uh, both yield more than the 30-year treasury. Now, if that ain't a buy signal, I don't know what is. Uh, I, I think once again on this, though, there's some ideas that are up a lot and some ideas that have pulled back. The ones that are up, obviously, you want to be waiting on a little bit. There's a there's two on the prime income list that I think are just perfect. I mean, perfect timing, uh, just to step into these things. And, uh, I would probably highly recommend them. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I can't say the name on the, in, on the air. So, uh, but they're perfect timing on those. But, uh, like I said, you do have a, you know, there could be a change in the air coming up here. And I think you want to be careful, uh, you know, be very, very careful. Because last time we had value and growth flip places, things got really kind of crazy. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Bye low, so high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.